Welcome to Rambling Rogues, a podcast for indie authors. Hi, Michael. Hi, Joe. We've got a really exciting podcast lined up for everyone this week. Um, but before we get into the details, just a quick introduction for Rogue Animal. For those that don't know, um, we're a platform designed for indie authors. You can send us your work. We'll sell it on our store, which is designed to give authors the majority of the profits. Uh, we've also got a library of resources on the site. Uh, it's www.rogueanimalbooks.com. But yeah, this week we're joined by the fantastic Paul Viner, and he's going to be talking about his new book, which is called Show Me Mercy. Uh, it's a fictional prequel to Shane, Sheba and Sky, his, uh, his first book. Uh, and as well as talking about the book, we're going to be talking about the topic of self-publishing in general and hopefully giving people some insight from someone who's had a lot of success with self-publishing. Uh, so, Joe, uh, to kick things off, as we normally do, we like to talk about what we've been learning in our writing. Yeah, I've learned how to use my dreams more efficiently to enhance my own stories, really. Um, basically, just writing down what you remember from your own dreams and basing your story from that. It, you can get some really interesting outcomes, as I as I've found out this month. Yeah, it's something that I talked to Paul a little bit about on the podcast later was was about ideas and where they can come from and sort of strange places that people can get ideas from. And it is really important just to write things down, isn't it, when you when you have those ideas. Yeah. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm sure many of us have had weird dreams that could be something of a part of a story and we just, you know, we've either come back to sleep or we've got up and forgotten all about them and that's an idea that's lost so yeah normally i forget within the first two minutes so Mm. i i just i literally just get something to write down on a device on on a notepad or just to write it down quickly even sending a message to someone with the idea of it on just so it can be down so i remember it um but yeah, you can get something really interesting from the ideas. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, so what I've learned from my writing uh, this this month um, was actually something something that I, I've I've learned from from Chris, uh, who who was a previous guest on the podcast. Um, he's recently finished a, a a draft of his book. I won't say anything else, so I don't get in trouble this time. But um, he's um, something he's done has been printing off you know, the full manuscript and making notes on it. Uh, so something that I think is going to be really useful to me in my writing in future is printing off, you know, literally it sounds simple, but when you finish a chapter or something, print it off, have a break for a month and then come back to it, read, read it. And it, and it really does feel like something, something new and almost like something you haven't written. It, it's strange, but it, it works and you can really see some stories through new eyes and, and see whether you actually actually like them or not, uh, and what needs changing. So it's something I'm definitely going to do with with my writing going forward. So um, I think that pretty much leads us into our interview with Paul. Yeah, let's go. So we're really pleased today to be joined by Paul Viner. He's the author of the fantastic Shane, Sheba and Sky, which is uh, Paul's real life story of adopting three dogs. Today, we're going to be talking about the Fictional, fictional prequel to that book, which is Show Me Mercy. Uh, Paul, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks very much, Michael. 
Um, maybe we could start by you telling us a little bit about your background. Background? Um, are we talking writing background or um, me as a well, person? Uh, I guess I guess a bit of both. Um, as a person, um, reason I'm saying I'm fifty. I'm fifty-eight, but for the last eight or nine years, I've suffered terribly with mental health. Um, diagnosed all sorts of problems, but I've took the drastic decision to retire from my day job and I now work full-time at an animal rescue sanctuary, which is good for the soul and good for me. Um, happily married, been married for 40 years, three grown-up daughters, two grandchildren, two amazing dogs. Um, yeah, apart from the odd glitch mentally, life couldn't be better. Um, Writing-wise, absolutely no academic qualifications whatsoever. Probably read eight books in 58 years, so I haven't a clue, but somehow the old boy got lucky and put two books out there. Yeah, and then two fantastic books. Thank um, you. So... Uh, you, you mentioned their mental health. Is that something that a topic that you've like to you've obviously drawn attention to in your books? Is that is that something important to you to to spread the word about about that that topic? I never set out to raise a subject because it was something I kept very quiet from my family. Um, it was quite awkward actually when Shane Shiva and Sky came out. My family suddenly realised why I'd become the person that I had. I kept it all very quiet. I bottled it up as best as I could. And then all of a sudden, there it was in black and white. So once my my wife, my daughters, my parents, my brother was behind me, then there was nowhere to hide. And, yeah, I was happy to talk to anyone. I was very lucky. Got quite a lot of press coverage. Um, the fact that I was just a average bloke who was prepared to talk about it and... Yeah, it's a big part of my life now, and if I can ever help anyone, that's something I'll certainly do. And it's fantastic that, that you you were able to do that, and I'm sure that that, that book has helped lots of people mm. uh, because, as you say, it can be difficult to talk about how you're feeling and and how you're doing. So I think you yeah, having seen people, other people, sort of showing how you know how, what you can do and how you can um, sort of express those feelings is, is quite powerful and important. So it's yeah. great that you've done that. Thank you. Um, so you're obviously very passionate about animal rights. Is that something that you've uh, a passion you've always had, or is that something that's that's been more recent? I've always cared for animals all my life, but Tony, my wife, and myself was never in a position to take on sort of being parents to a dog till we hit four, uh, fifty. We'd finally reached a stage our daughters had left home. Um, we was in a house that we absolutely loved and we found ourselves for the first time in our lives with free time. And I think taking on a dog is something you've got to be, you've got to think long and hard. You know, they are so time consuming. So we looked long and hard into taking on a dog, stumbled into the amazing world, world of dog rescue. And that has now become our passion, you know, um, yeah, so we've always cared about dogs, animals, but now it is our full-time passion. Two rescue dogs, well, we had three, working at a dog rescue and doing whatever we can to campaign for 
animal rights. That, that's fantastic that you're doing all, all that work. Um, so what was it about adopting Shane, Sheba and Sky that, that gave you the spark for writing, would you say? Um, it was really weird. Um, I'd sort of gone through a midlife... Shane came along as a result of a midlife, a midlife crisis and rather than turn into a Harley Davidson or a open-top sports car, I turned to dogs, which was probably the best course of action. But I was still going through a very bad, bad time. And a friend of mine who does holistic therapy suggested that I write all my bad thoughts down. And one day, just sit in the garden, take a glass of wine, sit in the garden, burn them and sort of almost do this self-exorcism. But when I read through the notes, uh, the notes sorry, I had Shane sitting there and I suddenly realised that it was a huge part of my life that I didn't want to destroy. So I literally just tried to write them down in some order that would make sense to myself. And I never really set it out to be a book. I sort of wanted it to be a journal to pass on to my grandchildren and future generations. But it happened. And with... Show Me Mercy, that actually came about, and this is where I'm going to sound like a complete oddball, but it was a recurring dream I was having of this really, really poorly made animation, but I just had this story going over and over in my head, and it, it was every night, and it would sort of repeat itself, and again, I just had to try and write what I was seeing in my head. That is it. There's nothing else to it. There's no skills. There's no academic training no qualifications that's it beauty that is it it's weird where where people get ideas from sometimes like you say having a, having a dream or just an yeah. idea that comes into your head when you're out somewhere and mm. um do you find that when you have an idea like that did you have to write it down as soon as you have it or did you have somewhere where you keep these sort of ideas the crazy thing was I did. I was literally, my daughter showed me that a few years ago on the phone, you got a thing called a, a voice recorder. But up to that point, my hands were covered in notes. I'd be out and have a thought and I would write on my hands or I used to smoke back then on my cigarette packet, bits of paper. And I was, kept finding scraps of paper everywhere that I had to try and, or on my arms. And then I found this voice recorder on well, my daughter showed it to me and, you're just walking along and you see something that you think is such a, it's just something so silly or small. But in my head, it became so big. It was, you had to write it at that moment because it'd be gone if you passed it. Yeah. And that's how I've done it. I think, I mean, I, I know the, fe the feeling of, of sometimes you have an idea and you don't write it down and then you, you come back later and you're trying to think, well, what was the idea? And yeah. and so many thing, ideas are missed just from from not having you know having a yeah. notepad or something so absolutely couldn't agree more it's important to get those ideas down um so the most obvious difference about this book is that uh, it follows a fictional story whereas the first was autobiographical biographical yeah, yeah. Uh, how, how did you find the challenge of writing in this different style very hard um through the work I do at the Dog Rescue, I come into contact daily with um, dogs and stories from Eastern Europe. I follow lots of groups online helping dogs. And, I'm, you know, I'm not blaming Eastern Europe. This is worldwide, but I can only speak for the, you know, the dogs I've dealt with. So all the 
all the graphic things are not me. I'm not a sicko that thinks these things up. These are categoric, you know, cases that have been documented. Obviously, I've had to rip them apart so that no one can be recognised. With Sheba, we had a rough idea what she had endured, but there's no true documentation, and it's just looking at veterinary reports, reports from the people that rescued her in Bulgaria. So it was very hard, but Show Me Mercy is also very autobiographical. Um, a lot of it is my life. It's written in this book. So it's uh, it's been very therapeutic. So there's been a lot wrote from memory and a lot done from research, plus my silly dreams. Um, in your last book, you drew attention to some really shocking figures. It was uh, 7,000 uh, abandoned dogs being euthanized uh, every year. Uh, and in this book, sorry, <laughs> 80, 80, sorry. 80, uh, wow, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and in this book, we see how badly Sheba is treated on the streets. Um, yeah. Was it important for you again to draw attention to that, that issue? The main reason what's been important to me is, you know, I've got to say, Mutts in Distress is a tiny little dog rescue, but they they do so much. But we're constantly being asked, why do you bring dogs from Eastern Europe, from Egypt, from all over, when there's dogs in this country that need help? No, Mutts in Distress have never turned a dog away. Any dog that's on death row in this country through our local dog wardens is rescued. But also, when the rescue sees a plight of these poor dogs, we need to get them over here. My Sheba was disabled. You know, we've brought a dozen dogs over in the last few weeks. Missing paws, riddled with cancer, you know, the, the list goes on. We're not going to see them. So the reason it's so important to get the story out is just to say to people, oh, yes, it is a fictional story, but this is why rescues do what we do. This is the case. This is what's happening to these poor dogs for no fault of their own because people feel they've got the God-given right to do that to them. Why, why they want to be barbarics beyond me, but this is highlighting. This is what we need to be doing to help dogs throughout well throughout europe and and i think that there's sort of an issue with people maybe not realizing what's going on and 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 and, and seeing some of those things that you've, you've mentioned there do you, do you feel there's a bit of just a lack of awareness in general it's it yeah totally there is it is a lack of awareness you know because a lot of people say to me i've had a lot of people say that they can't follow me on social media because of some of the content i display but someone's got to be a voice. You know, luckily now there's a lot of people prepared to speak up for these poor animals. And once we get the awareness out there, hopefully, you know, are people born barbaric? I don't know. I I just feel now there's a lot of education needed just to show people the error of their ways. And let's try and let's try and help people. As I say, see the error of their ways and maybe treat these poor dogs with the compassion they deserve. Exactly. Um, so a lot of this this book is written from the perspective of dogs. Mm -hmm. um, how did you find getting into the headspace of an animal? Was was it? Did you find it a different experience? Really, it's really weird because I know, I do believe personally that 
the mind of a dog is a very, very dark place. You know, they they see things as they are. They see it for the moment. Um, but I think just, as I keep saying, you know, I, I don't want to harp on about working, but when you watch dogs interact, you can almost imagine them talking. You know, the my own Sheba, she's very nervous around dogs, but I've seen her with dogs who are more disabled than her actually show them empathy and compassion, which is quite strange for a dog that would normally react when she can see a dog a lot worse than she is, the compassion she will show. And it just made me wonder in their minds, I don't know, I don't know, it's crazy world. Yeah, I, I just tried my best. And I know I'm going to struggle because a uh, point of view with dogs talking, you know, is an adult Bambi going to sell? Who knows? We can only hope. <laughs> but you, you definitely saw some similarities there mm. um, in the way the dogs think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, th I think they do communicate. They've got to, you know, they, they've got hierarchies, you know, they, I believe they do. Um, and obviously there are, there are sections of the book also written from the perspective of humans. Um, yes. Did you find you had to change your approach in any way when switching between those different narratives? Or The human parts was very easy. They flowed. As I said, a lot of them, are, that compromised myself too much. A lot of that human side is it's very close to home, shall we say. Um, a lot of the background of one of the main characters. Yeah, I think I'll be careful what I say, but no, the human characters flowed. Um I tried to write them in a dialogue of people that I grew up with, people that I associate with. Um, so that flowed. That that flowed quite easy. Um, so although there's quite a lot of darkness in there, the story is ultimately one of hope. Mm. Uh, what was the message that you wanted to send to readers? It is. It is. You know, the title, when I spoke to the designer of the book, the book is called Show Me Mercy, but the cover was designed that if you look at it, Show and Mercy are in a different colour font to me. So the book is, it is, it's a dog asking for mercy, but the other part of the the, the cover is show mercy. Mm. And that's all I'm trying to say. Just, I think I said in Shane Sheba and Sky, we've not all got the money to help dogs, but we've all got the ability not to hurt them. And that's all I'm asking. Don't hurt them. Show these poor beautiful creatures a little bit of mercy that's a really that's powerful it. message and that is that is my soul message um, so when you were writing this book did you because uh, i know that the, the people generally say there's two types of writers there's uh plotters and i think pantsers is the the term and basically people some people they they know the plot from the beginning uh and mm -hmm. there's others who write as they, they go along uh which which was your uh approach with this i knew I knew the end, I knew the beginning, and I knew the middle, it was just join it. So would I be a plotter? I, In my head, I knew how I wanted this book to pan out. Yeah. I had the story, it was just, the hard bit was writing it, because as I said, Michael, I'm not a writer. <laughs> that, that was the hard bit. But after writing, you know, two Two books. I think you can definitely describe yourself as a as a writer now. <laughs> Let's hope, eh? Let's hope. I mean, yeah. I can only write about something I know and care about. Um, if there is a third, I'm afraid I'm going to bore you. It's going to be dogs again, but I don't know. I've, I want to do something along the children's 
road next. Yeah. I've got a couple of grandkids and I watch how they interact with my dogs and how they interact with animals. And I want to try and do something along them lines. Um, again, disability, because my, my grandchildren are great with Sheba, who's severely disabled. So that would probably be the next route. Children, interaction with dogs, bit of compassion for different dogs. You know, a bit of a message in there, but we'll see. Yeah, well, can't wait to, to see what comes next, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, so I'll just ask you a few questions now about about your sort of uh, your introduction to the world of writing, as it were. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of our of, of people in our community are self-published authors. Um, what made you go down that route? No one was going to touch me. Um, I think my problem is I don't follow fashion, so I didn't fit into the 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 current trend of wizards, um, fantasy books, science fiction, gangsters, love stories, you know, and then there's this old boy that's giving a story about dogs. I had no hope, so I had to self-publish. I think I'd have been laughed at, to be honest. Well, I'm sure some of the some of the some of those publishers will be regretting it now after seeing all the attention your your book received. Um, what advice would you give to authors uh, wanting to self-publish? Just go for it. Um, I think it's nice to be in total control of your own work. Um, it's a great route. You know, I've been privileged, set up, you know, self-published, buy you all for coffees, copies, do book signings, give them out. I, I, I definitely think it's more worthwhile, personally. I know the, the money ain't there. You know, I've been very lucky. I've sold quite a lot of books. I'm never going to retire on it, but I'm in total control of what I do with my book, where I put it. So, yeah, I would definitely say go for it. Just enjoy the ride. Be in control. Would you say being in control is the, is the best aspect of, of, of sort of self-publishing and everything? I think it is, yeah. that You can pick and choose how you help. You know, I choose to send out to charities, dog charities all over the place. You know, they can auction them, give them away, whatever. And I just feel having that, that choice that you can give them away. You haven't got to speak to someone if you can give away 50 copies to a rescue to help them raise funds you know, without worrying about the financial implications to a, a publishing house or a, what you call it, um, your promoting guy. Yeah, I just think it's nice. Uh, I, I, I was speaking to someone uh, recently who, who was a self-published author, and he was saying that his local bookshop uh, liked to sell books from local authors, but mm -hmm. as soon as they heard that he was self-published, they didn't want to hear anything more. Do, do you think there's a sort of degree of stigma towards self-published authors? 100%. Hmm. Absolutely. I, I've tried many bookshops, and, again, I got that initial response. But then I found I was approaching things like art cafes, um, random outlets where I would look at the clientele and think, you know, there's people that use this place. Well, it's not a bookshop. Um my wife, the hairdresser she uses, they sell beauty products. And I thought, you know what? Tony spoke to Tina, the owner, and she's quite happy to stock it. It's in a random place. And I'll probably sell more in a lady's hairdressers than I would in a bookshop. Um, cafes, um, 
pubs have stopped it for me. I know it's random places, but yeah, there is a stigma with um, bookshops, but you get other outlets and just think, you know, what's the current term? Keep Think outside the box. You'll be amazed where you can sell books. Yeah, I guess it's thinking about your book and who, who might read it and, and sort of where people might, might sell mm. it. Um, yeah. So your book um, attracted quite a lot of attention from various sources, including the Daily Mail. Um, yep. Did you do you have any sort of tips for people wanting to promote themselves? Um, I was very, very fortunate with the, the promotion. There was a fantastic young journalist called um, Hayley, and we sort of got in touch, and I, I can't remember how, but she set up um, – the animal news agency which covered stories about animals and i think i was one of her first clients and Haley just got me out there and once i started getting in you know interest from the daily mail the star the bbc it was just brilliant um just enjoyed the ride it's nerve-wracking you know i've been very lucky i've had a few interviews on the bbc radio um just enjoyed the ride just enjoy the ride. Absolutely. Um, and do you did you find that that the did you find that sort of idea of having to promote yourself in that way? Because when you put a, a book out there, it's like putting yourself out there, isn't it? In a mm. way. So did did you find that sort of daunting? The idea of having to promote yourself. No, um, because the daunting part for me was admitting all the problems that I'd admitted to in the book. Once that's out there, I had nothing else to be embarrassed about. So, no, I'm not good at self-promotion. Um, I'm no good on social media. I've got to learn. My kids, my son-in-laws are trying to teach me. But, you know, I think there's this saying out in um, in China that you, you, you plant a, a seed and it, that certain plant takes five years to flourish and bloom. And I honestly believe I've planted that seed. Now, if it takes five years to flourish and bloom, hey-ho, got all the time in the world. Yeah. I think that's a, a great message to, to to leave to people who who are a bit worried that they're not getting that success right now. There's there's always, you know, you, you can grow in and there's 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 yeah opportunities to, to flourish in the future. Yeah. Um, so you kind of already answered this question to a certain extent, but um, what what is next for you? You said you might maybe do some ch some children's stories. Yeah, I'd know? like to try. I don't think I've got another adult you know i could only write if i knew exactly what i was writing about i mean bless him our sky hasn't really got much of a story shane ease was told and i think now i think that having the dogs has brought out a better side of me i'm a better person for having the dogs and i think now that i've learned a lot more compassion not a lot more tolerance of people so next thing for me now is work with my daughter, work with my grandkids, see if we can do something just about teaching kids a little bit of compassion, don't look at people or it'd be based on the dogs, but it'd be a general thing. Don't look at people that are different because they've got wonky legs or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that, well, as I said earlier, it'd be, be great to see what, whatever you come up with, with next. So um, thanks so much for, for talking to me, Paul. Is, is there any um, sort of last messages you want to leave with people? Now, uh, thanks ever so much, Mike. All I want to say is to anyone watching, just enjoy it. Just get out there, enjoy writing, 
don't listen to what people say. Just be yourself. Write what you want to write. And if you're lucky, you'll get someone like Michael from Rogue Animal behind you and rest is history. Thank you. Um, <laughs> there'll be uh, there'll be links in in the in the description for people if they want to to buy Show Me Mercy or Shane Cheaper in Sky. I highly suggest that you do. So, uh, but other than that, thanks so much again, Paul. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll speak to you uh, again soon, hopefully. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thanks again for that, Paul. That was fantastic. There were some great insights into some of the inspirations behind your books there, and also some really valuable information into self-publishing that I'm sure a lot of our authors will be able to benefit from. At this point in the podcast, we like to talk about a book sent to us by an indie author. Uh, This week, we're talking about The Man with the Macintosh Overcoat by David McMahon. Uh, This is a book about a man who wins the lottery and pays someone else to claim they've won the money. So as always, we're going to talk about three things that I enjoyed about the first chapter of this book. Uh, Number one is the distinct personalities that all the different characters seem to have. Uh, Mrs. Fogarty is one of the characters that we meet. Billy seems really desperate to avoid her. She seems to have the role of the nosy neighbour. Another character that I uh, found particularly interesting was Billy himself. Uh, He seems to have quite an awkward and clumsy personality, and that leads to some quite hilarious interactions. Another thing that I enjoyed about this chapter was uh, this great section after Billy finds out that he's won the lottery, uh, and it's there that his awkward personality comes out once again. He feels like a fugitive, he's trying to avoid people, he's paranoid of his details uh, leaking onto the lottery app. Uh, There's a part where he's unsure where to put the ticket, he talks about hiding in the attic or in the shed, He's worried about being robbed or the house burning down. Uh, The author handled this really well and it was quite funny. And finally, there's a lot of intrigue in this chapter that makes you want to keep reading. Uh, There's a character called Claire who Billy was engaged to, but the COVID pandemic, as I think happened with a lot of people in real life, uh, tore them apart uh, and they got sick of each other. But Billy clearly wants to turn things around with her. Again, you wonder if it's maybe Billy's personality holding him back. There's a bit where he contemplates calling Claire but decides against it. So it will be interesting to see how that develops and where that goes. Uh, There'll be links to this book within the description. Uh, I suggest people check it out if it it sounds interesting to you. Okay, so uh, we're going to talk about some news, some updates for us from Rogue Animal. We've got one big update this month. Uh, Do you want to talk about that, Joe? Yes, yeah, so we have a competition coming up, our biannual short story competition. And the theme is actually going to be set in winter. And the deadline will be the 31st of August, 2023. The length is going to be 2,000 to 3,000 words. And all prizes will be all, all winners will be published in our anthology and receive a £50 Amazon gift card. To enter or learn more details about this, um, email us at rogueanimalsubmissions at hotmail.com or give us a message on Facebook or Instagram. Yep, and uh, one of the other rules for that is that you need to be part of the Rogue Reader Group uh, to enter so i suggest you you join the group now it's a it's our community it's a great place filled with fantastic authors who are always helping each other out so again there'll be links to that within the description um so that was the main main news really for this month uh, other than that um 
Again, please subscribe to our mailing list if you want to be the first to know about our latest updates, whether it's new podcasts, uh, new competitions, or anything else. So, uh, again, head to the description. You can sign up there. Uh, but other than that, thanks so much for listening in this week. Uh, we've been really enjoying doing these, and uh, we'll be continuing them throughout the year. So there'll be a new one next month. Thank you for listening, everyone, and stay tuned for next time.